This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here today on the podcast, Jessica Lindsay, who plays my wife, Julia, on my ex-wife. Oh, my God. Oh, I really hope that Catherine Kim doesn't hear me say that because I'll be really screwed on a million little things. Um, anyway, love, love Jessica. Great, great conversation. Also, you know what else I love? Doing shows for y'all. And I will be at Largo in Los Angeles on July 13th. It's my first time ever headlining at Largo after performing there for like 10 years. So I'm excited. You should come. And then also I will be in, at Zany's in Nashville, August 14th. I will be in Burlington, Vermont at the Vermont Comedy Club, September 8th through 10th. And I will be in Boston, September 11th. All of those dates and tickets can be purchased at CameronEsposito.com. Oh my gosh. See you out there. I've been feeling wrong. Hi. Hi. Hello. I always have Hi. guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? I am capable of doing that. Um, my name is Jessica Lindsay. Um, yeah, that's my Hi, name. Hi, Jessica. Um, do, do you want to <laughs> <laughs> do you want to add any other context? You don't have to. I'm um, yeah, no, I am Jessica Lindsay, uh, actor, mom, dog mom, wife. Yep. You know. A, a hiker, a downhill skier. Oh yeah, you are a downhill skier. A downhill skier. I was just, yeah. and I just was at your house for dinner. Mm-hmm. I would add cook, pretty a cook, good, yeah, pretty good cook, De- decent home cook. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good cooker. Cook. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yes. I like doing it. Yeah, I like cooking for people. And we met because um, on the show, a million little things, which hopefully all query listeners are now either caught up on or going to spend some time binging over the summer. It's on Hulu, everyone. It's on it, Hulu. It's, and it's, gonna, it's, on, it's available to those gonna who want to watch it. It's going to be a next season, so catch on up. Um, we play ex-wives on the show. Yes, and Also, you know, I think, we, I think we liked each other immediately. You're a very likable person. Oh, that's kind of you to say. Um, yeah, we, we really did like each other immediately, you know. That's how you know we are acting on the show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because we hate each other on the show we're so on the show we're so mad at each other so much history yeah we, yeah we, yeah um but the, yeah no we did we we really did like each other pretty much straight away i felt like we had lots of stuff to to talk about um from the get-go yeah i think so and you know i mean how many times i actually don't even know the answer to this have you had have you had on television and in film. Have you had wives and ex-wives? I've never had an ex-wife mm-hmm. on television. Um, I have, uh, you know, I have this really strange thing that people cast me often not knowing that I'm an actual lesbian, that I am a real lesbian in the real flesh. Yes. Um, which is fascinating. So, yeah, I I started being cast. I did a movie. I did a Mexican movie that I, like, the, it evolves that I, have a female partner. It doesn't refer to the woman as my wife, but she is a woman. Um, right. We would call her that nowadays. It was before wives existed. It was before um, wives existed. No, it wasn't that long ago. But um, but yeah, no, I actually have never had an ex-wife, but I've definitely had, I've played a lesbian on, on television. And on, but just the on one film. time? Because we were talking no. about this. We were talking about this, like even when we first met, sort of immediately that like, you have we have a different um maybe orientation to like the industry at large in that like you are not often clocked as being a queer person like you just said and then it turns out no one has ever even approached me to play a straight person (laughs) (laughs) i mean i have played like 
characters where the sex, the person's sexuality and you know gender are never discussed. Like they sure. like work at a bar or they're like a guidance counselor. But like right. it's me, and it's like definitely that person is gay. Like it's like there's not yeah. a kind of a we're not we're not unsure. Yeah. Um, but you've had a you know really there's no gray area. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, and we did talk about this right away because I don't, and I can't remember what started that conversation. I think we were just talking about our kind of our queer experience and our, or how we've, our experience in the business has been. And mm-hmm. mine obviously has been so different to yours. I mean, granted, I've been acting like as a profession for always since I was like graduated, since, since I was in college. So I have been being cast in things for, for longer, you know, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have, that experience people are uh, you know it's so interesting i feel like more and more so because there has been this amazing shift in our business that there is an interest in representation which did not exist at all even 10 short years ago and not in the same capacity right um wait i want to i want to unpack that for a second because what you're saying is like because yes you're right i started as you know i started an improv and a stand-up and then i started acting like 10 years ago and when i started acting it really did line up with like a time that people were specifically looking for queer people like that's why i started getting acting jobs um i also think it happens to a lot of comics like after a while people are curious about what else you can do and so other things start to you know people start to ask like you know, can you also create a show? Can you like write a book? Can you act or whatever? And um, I think the answer that everybody gives is like, yeah, of course, of sure. course, you know, because yeah, like, that's what we what, do. You're not like, going to yeah. say no, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but when I showed up in L.A. 10 years ago, it really was like, so, I mean, it, you know, Orange is the New Black, I think, was just about to debut, um, you know, when the. L word came out like a selling point was not whether or not those actors were queer. Yeah, like the first exactly round, many of them were not out. Um, yeah, and then many of them were straight. And and yeah, so like I'm talking about 2012 is when I came here, and that sure really was yeah the beginning of a new era for sure. Yeah, and and so I you think, have experienced you know, before that in this world and yes. launching a career as an actor. Yeah. Um, we're like when you're a stand up comic also, I mean, at least the era that I started working in the early 2000s, I, like, I, again, I also had to lead with identity because that's what everybody was doing. So it wasn't like yeah. I couldn't just like get up there and tell jokes about like airplane food or um, like men because right. I was supposed to talk about my life. Yeah, um, which is it is a very different experience. And obviously, if you have to pull from your own, you know, personal life, then you you got to get personal. And, and as an actor, you're kind you, you do have to pull from your personal life, but in a, a way that you are portraying other people. So kind of using your experience to come really like bring to life somebody else's or some, a, a character's experience. But yeah, going back to what you were saying about, about the L word. I mean, I, I, when I was first in LA, L, the L word was kind of airing, you know, when I first moved to LA, I, I moved from New York and I, I went to, I studied musical theater and theater at NYU where, I mean, like the idea of being an out actor, like literally never crossed my mind. It just never, it was never like, it wasn't a thing that I, I was thinking about. Also kind of going back to what you were saying, I didn't need, there was no necessity because no, I don't have the, I don't present particularly quote unquote queer, whatever that means. You know, I, I pass. Like, I don't know what that even is. It's just like, I'm using words that people have, I've heard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like how I am most comfortable. It's, it's who I am. Um, And so, you know, coming into a world as a young actor in LA and seeing L word and thinking about that, there was going to be potentially a world where I could be I could portray somebody that that had like had a similar life to mine was was exciting, but I didn't get a ton of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. When you did anybody ever openly discuss with you not coming out or like when you said didn't cross your mind, was it like undiscussed? There's no reason to even talk about this, or was there any sort of conversation that you remember? It was really undiscussed. I mean, 
I think I've always been this weird. I mean, I, it's always felt like I was a bit of an anomaly in that there, there wasn't a need to discuss. I was always, I was never closeted. You know, I was always out as a person in my social life. I was always out with representation. I, I've never hidden that I am a lesbian. Like I just was never, I never, also that was never part of my narrative. So I never felt like I needed to hide it. That being said, I certainly, there were certain spaces where I wasn't talking about my wife or my girlfriend. Right. I just didn't, you know, I just, it didn't feel like, oh, necessarily the safest space, I suppose. That has been, it's been a, thankfully a long time since that's been the case. Not that I'm so old. No, I mean, this is interesting. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. I went to see, I was in San Francisco this last weekend and um, went to like a bunch of different really cool events. I went to like, um, my wife Katie and I, we stayed in Japantown and we went to this like, like sort of like festival that was happening there, which was really cool. Saw some um, like taiko drumming. We also went to like a Juneteenth street festival. So we also, cool. my friend Imani Rupert Gordon runs the National Center for Lesbian Rights. And so we like went to this fundraiser for that organization. And then we went to a Brandy Carlisle concert I where saw. the Indigo Girls were opening. That's bananas. I mean, it was like the wildest weekend. And we also went and walked down to the cast. We truly did everything. Thanks, San Francisco, for being so small. But also, why are you so hilly is a follow-up question. But anyway. <laughs> um, I bet you're the first person to notice that. It's Possibly. well, I gotta say, I, I did say to Katie, I was like, she has she had been there before, but I was like, don't worry, it's like super walkable. Like you're not gonna believe how walkable it is. And then like cut to us like like rappelling down a cliff as yeah. you know, I just forgot. You forgot. It's the easy crampons. to forget that it is yeah. like a mountain. Anyway, um, but this is all to say, then another thing we did, we we went to it was the the Frameline Film Festival was going on. So we went to go see a movie that was called Besties, and it's like about these like French teens and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and also it's one of the teens is like realizing that she's queer and she's going, th she's like kind of, she's bullied for it, but she's also like having the, she's the one having the hardest time with it. Like a lot of mm -hmm. the, it's her internal struggle. Yeah. And it's like very well done hip 2022 movie, but like it was, it's interesting now that I'm 40 is like kind of the first time that I have been able to watch that movie and be like, oh, I think like that's what happened to me. You know, like, I think it was that bad and like that hard and for you, know, you to come to terms with your own sexuality. Yeah. And internally. like, how can I, I think that's, too, I think that was too hard for me to be aware of in the moment. I was just trying to survive when you're like in survival mode. It's like a hundred percent. You can't yep. step outside of yourself and also like reflect on like, I think I'm having a hard time. It's like, yeah. you know, too impossible. But can't learn anyway. to swim while you're drowning. Yeah. It, beautiful. Gorgeous. But anyway, this is all just to say that like, I don't know. I'm, I'm incredibly fascinated by having the like age and experience to be able to reflect. So when you're like, I'm not that I'm so old. It's like, no, we're not so old. But also this isn't, we also aren't young people. Yeah, like absolutely. Like having these experiences for the first time. And and um, I think this thing of people getting to be out and do this job is is newer than as a culture we reflect. Yes. It's also true for any job. You know, there are a lot of people, whenever I'm like interviewing somebody who's who I know from the entertainment industry, I always want to like try to frame it around like, and of course, this isn't true for this industry and like not for the engineers and people who work in marketing that listen. It's like the same shit. Yeah, yeah. The, same, the same exact thing. The same exact thing that you just said where it's like, was I bringing up my wife in every conversation? No, I wasn't. Um, right. I think yeah. That, you know, now we're so into like celebrating. I, especially it's like Pride Month. We're like celebrating well, yeah. identity. Then it's so phenomenal. I think that that's what is so. I, and I, and I'm, I think I... I'm noticing now how hungry I am for those spaces. And not that I, like my life, I mean, you know, listen, I've been married. I'm in my second marriage now. I have a 12-year-old daughter. Like my life is very stable. I'm, 
I'm not seeking queer spaces in the same, in the way that I was probably at, in my 20s. That being said, I am in constant awe. Like my daughter's really, really into soccer. Like it is, she lives and breathes soccer. It is the best thing that she could possibly be doing and watching. And we went to an Angel City FC uh, Pride Night game. And then the following night, we went to a San Diego Wave Pride Night event. They just happened to both be Pride Night. And my daughter's at Alex Morgan's number one fan. Um, so we had to drive down to San Diego to see her, which we did. And she signed her shirt. And so that was a big deal. Um, but being among all of these people, the gay, queer, straight, like the that crowd ran the gamut. But to be in an environment two nights in a row where it was about being proud to be queer in such a commercial way, just like, I can't, it brings tears to my eyes. It's so, it's like, I, I really genuinely, like, I am, it always makes me emotional because I know that there's this, the little girl in me that would have been so comforted by being able to be in a space like that. And as much as I, of course, like we, anyone who has to come out or who is queer has their journey with coming to terms with that, like you were just saying. But I feel like representation is really the golden ticket to helping in that and and taking and removing some of the suffering from that journey. Hmm. Because I feel like we all suffered a little bit in it and it's unnecessary suffering. And so having that is amazing. When you were having a kid, did you have people that you could look to to understand what that experience might be like? Uh, not as many as I would have liked. You know, I didn't have, I didn't grow up with any examples of gay families, like none. And but I always knew that that's what I was going to do. And I don't know how. I just knew from a young age that I was going to be with a woman, and I didn't even really understand what. A lesbian was. I just was like, I'm gonna, I just have a feeling I'm gonna raise a kid with a woman. I didn't, it wasn't sexual. It was just a, like my 10-year-old or nine-year-old idea. I, I've only realized that like later in life, but wow. Um, yeah, I know it's pretty bizarre. That's very sweet. I know. I was just like, I love that. I never had that, like I never had an an idea that I was gonna marry a man. It just never occurred to me. Um well, I didn't either. I mean, which is funny. It's like I like dated these guys, but I would be like, hmm. Yeah. It's just like a... <laughs> oh, this, this will end. And then, like, then, yeah. I don't know. Just like a looking into the future and it's just like all hazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, There's an expiration date to those relationships. Um, but no, I I mean, I did, by the time that like, I, we actually uh, started to try to get pregnant, yes, I, we had people in our lives who had young, you know, same-sex couples who had young children. And that certainly felt really nice. But not a ton. I mean, I... I mean, it is it isn't a ton. I, th that's why... And it, it's like... And also, this is like a decade ago or whatever. Like, this is like a different yeah. time. Different, but even yeah. now, it's like, I don't... It's not a ton of people in my life. Yeah. And they're out there. Like, it's not like I don't think it exists. But it's more so just that, like, numbers-wise, it's still something that it's not... Uh, something I, I see every day, even in my own... In my own gayest possible life totally like yeah <laughs> yeah and you're like really killing it like i'm i'm looking to you like <laughs> you're a guidepost for me i'm like you know what i can just shift a little more towards cameron i'm like having the gayest life and i don't see you this are life. so yeah. so i think this is very i don't know it seems very brave so so you had what like a handful of people that had had this experience yeah a couple like two couples that i can think of off the top of my head that i knew that had so two, like one couple had children that were kind of like a few years older than they're like, well, they had, they were toddlers and, and like, you know, sort of five, six year old kids. Right. And then another, and a couple friend of ours who had a son about a year and a half before we ended up having our daughter. Um, but yeah, you know, it's so, when I think about, I, I think the, I, my anxiety about having kids was not about. Like, because I always knew I wanted to have kids. Like, that was just, that was always clear to me also. And I love kids, all kids, not just my own. Um, I just am a kid person. 
my anxiety was not so much about, or not, not that I had anxiety, but my trepidation was about just being ready to be a parent. And I don't, I just felt like the world was just going to accommodate my life. I don't know why I have this mentality. I've always kind of been like this. I just like, if you just, if you, if you go in with the best of intentions and a clear mindset, I, I think that things really do, the stars just align in the way that they're meant to. It might not be the way that you had envisioned it, you know? And I really, that was the other thing that I, I felt like, you know, having kids is like the most giant leap of faith in your entire life. It's the biggest. You just have to like trust because you cannot manipulate that experience in any way. And the more that you try and manipulate it, the, in my from my perspective, the more difficult it is for you and for the kid, like for you as parents and for the kid, because it's just so much unknown. Everything about it is like new and everyone feels like a fish out of water. So that was my, those were my feelings when I was, when we were deciding to get pregnant. Um, and, and I feel like the, like we had enough of a community here in LA that it would be fine no matter what. And I, you know, I felt like we'd be supported, you know? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm here I to mean, tell you amazing. that you will be. You that's will amazing. be. I don't know. I mean, it's like, oh my God. Because you you know this because we've talked about this that like I had a but I, I don't think I've actually talked about it on the podcast at all which is weird, um, but like I had an egg retrieval like two weeks ago mm-hmm. or no I don't even know when I think that would yeah. be it I like right. I still feel like I'm gonna like die basically not really but it is yeah. it was it was hard. it's a doozy it was, yeah it was physically really really hard on me yeah. um, and the outcomes were good and everything but it was like really challenging experience and. Also, one of those things where, like, the doctors, and I don't think it's, like, I think it's just part of it, but, like, it was pretty underplayed how serious it is. It's one of those things that, like, once I started talking about it with people, as I was going into it, when I would talk about it with people that had also gone through it, they were like, oh, it's fucking bananas. But, like, beforehand, if you, like, read about it, it's like, you might have a tiny bit of discomfort for half a minute, you know, but it's like, everybody I've talked to who's gone through is like, yeah, like, I wanted to kill everybody I knew, and I, like, couldn't fit into any of my pants. And I was like, oh, yes, that's the experience. Your boobs um, are going to feel like <laughs> the worst PMS you'll, you've gigantic. ever had. My boobs yeah. are so big. Yeah. My my also stomach is, like, so... Anyway, yes, life is bizarre. Well, yeah. It, yes, it is. I, I, I think with a lot of, you know, particularly fertility, you know, fertility stuff, stuff yeah. there is... A lot, I think because, and this is my belief, is that people who undergo fertility treatment in any capacity is because they have a great will to get pregnant and have children. And so there's this kind of, there's this supposition that you are willing to withstand whatever it takes. So there's not a lot of discussion around about the discomfort. It's like, like, yeah, the understanding is it's going to be uncomfortable. But there's That's not a really lot of funny. like they don't they don't harp on that because right. it's you're not it's you showed not, up. It's, it's elective, you know. Yeah, like, you showed up. You, exactly. Yeah, you're here. Like you want to yeah. have a baby. Like it's so. also privileged, you know. It's like yeah, it's true. You have to also. be able to, you know, afford it. Um, which is part of why it's happening now in my life as opposed to ten years ago when like technically that's when you're supposed to do it. But yeah, um, I actually couldn't afford it ten years ago. So Anyway, yeah, it's financially quite prohibitive. Correct. Yeah, there's that. And then, you know, I would also add to that that, you know, anything that happens around vaginas, we like for sure don't ever talk about how bonkers it is. <laughs> we talk less about vaginas than we should. I feel like <laughs> this that's a new that I feel like that's a spin-off podcast that you're gonna have to do now. <laughs> talking about just vaginas. let's talk about vaginas. Oh or we can do it together. Let's talk about vaginas. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. 
but do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! So today, 2022, and middle school? My daughter's going into middle school, yes. Yeah. So I'm curious about what it is like to be a queer parent. I mean, your 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 kid, your child has so many moms. <laughs> it's so, like you have, you have an ex, you have yeah. a you have a you have a wife, you you're you exist as a you have so many, your child has so many moms. And yes. um you know, again, I don't I don't know that this is like something that I have a lot of people I can talk to about just like, you know, what's it like showing up to school, for instance, or like meeting other parents or, you know, is there that weird moment of like, uh, what is what's your dad do? Or like, like mm-hmm. what, you know, which what things come up and how uncomfortable is it? How easy is it? Like any description? I'm so curious. Yeah. You know, again, I think and I and I will say that um, there's I don't feel any weirdness and, and I I don't know where that came from. Um, that's great. But, but that's what I would want um, for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think maybe other people feel weirdness. I think people will often say, oh, what does your husband do? And I'll say my wife or my wife. And I, you know, just carry on and tell them what my wife does for a living. Um, oh, I think, you know, in my daughter's case, we were talking about it recently and it was uh, my, my sibling recently changed their pronouns. And we were in the car um, heading up to my mom's 70th birthday. And it was really cool because we were talking about that. And they were asking my daughter, like, you know, what that was like for her. Did did she have any questions? And she was like, no, not really. And I think, honestly, for a 12-year-old, and now we're talking about gender and not what you asked me originally, um, you know, but it it, for a 12-year-old, that is like, that is just the narrative of the day, which is so phenomenal to me. It is not bizarre. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a ton of questions. If she, when she had questions, she asked them and they were answered. And so that's kind of phenomenal to me. But it opened up this question, this line of questioning and kind of conversation for her about people assuming. So my sibling was t- talking about how, you know, people assume the pro- their pronouns and what that feels like for them. And that conversation brought up for my daughter about people assuming that she has a dad, which we'd never discussed. Like that that's an experience that she has. And I, I mean, she really handled it with, and as she does with a lot of things with total aplomb, she always just says, Oh, some, you know, sometimes she's like, I honestly just can't be bothered. Sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, great. And what am my dad? <laughs> and then she like had a moment where she laughed to herself about like this imaginary dad that she doesn't obviously have. Um, but yeah, about, you know, People do assume like, oh, like, or is your mom, who's picking up your mom or your dad? And she'll be like, oh, I don't, I, I have, you know, I have two moms. Oh, okay. All right. Well, which one of your moms is picking you up? So th- she has that experience, which is, you know, unique to her. And then, you know, of course, I, I feel like I've constantly, people just constantly assume that I have a heterosexual relationship it has happened maybe twice that people haven't and it feels really nice when they don't um but at school you know my daughter just graduated from an amazing you know jewish day school here in los angeles where it is pretty their just representation is what they they really do best i mean um among many other things and jewish education is, is top on that list as well um but uh so she she has had an amazing experience there and as have I. Um, and I think, you know, I always, I never hesitate to just correct people, you know, just people will say, oh, like, oh, where's your, oh is, is your husband coming or what does your husband do? And I always say my wife. And then I just kind of continue the conversation. And sometimes people are genuinely curious, but I feel like that happens less and less these days. Mm. 
particularly, you know, in cities like LA or New York and the places, Vancouver, you know, where, where we've been working. Um, uh, but, but it certainly has happened many times that I've been asked by somebody, you know, what does your husband do? Or ask something about my husband and I'll say, um, oh no, well, my wife is coming. And then they will fully ask me something about my husband in the next sentence. Like they just couldn't process the information. Wow, really? Yes. Like, wow, say, really? Huh, that's weird. Like, <laughs> like weird, like I'm speaking Farsi, you know, like they just didn't understand the word for wife in Farsi and that's why they didn't catch it. Um, wow. Yeah. It's bizarre. That's really interesting. And yeah. also you don't have to, you do not have to answer this. You know, anything can be can be personal, but I'm just curious because it just happened. What do you do for Father's Day? What do you well, do on Father's Day? Yeah. And um, we well, you know, we call the fathers and our lives are we're with them. We celebrate them. My dad, my brother. Um, I have a brother, a brother and um, who lives. They both are on the East Coast for the most part. And um, that but on Father's Day, we actually there was a volunteering opportunity um, for foster kids at our temple. So we went and did that. Um, and, you know, just kind of and another day, the worst, you know, after Mother's Day, we're pretty exhausted. So <laughs> we have, it's like, we kind of take it like, right. it's like a Sabbath, you know, it's like a day of rest. A day of rest. No, I'm joking. I love um, it. Yeah. But yeah, so, so I, yeah, just a, a day, but yeah. Yeah. Mother's is a big, we got a lot of mother. We used to do, my ex is English. So we used to do Mothering Sunday, which happens. Well, so there's, this is the reason that we, we don't do Mothering Sunday anymore because it's a different day in England and I, I missed it on a regular basis. So we just do Mother's Day here. Yeah. American, good old American Mother's Day. My ex is English. My wife is Mexican. Mother's Day is also a different day in Mexico. So we just like, it's, it's Sunday. It's pretty consistent here. I know when it's coming because Hallmark <laughs> tells me. And so right. we just do that day. Yeah, this is another thing that is like a tangential moment here. But you also act in Spanish, like very regularly. I do. Yeah, actually. Yeah, my, my show is coming out. I, I did a, a TV show for Peacock. It'll be coming out here in in October, they say. and But it will be coming out in um, in Latin America and Mexico. I believe in a few weeks on HBO Max, Latino. Um, but yeah, so I, I do, I, it's called, that show is called Armas de Mujer, Arms of a Woman, um, with Kate del Castillo, who's a, a big, a big star. She lives here, but she's Mexican. Um, and it's pretty fun and funny. And um, I hope that everybody watches it when it comes out, because I think it'll be enjoyable. Yeah, my little, I'm sure my little sister will watch. I am. She better, because I'm going to track her down there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. She she will definitely watch, and I'm sure love it. Yeah, but yeah, I do act in Spanish, and, and I love acting in Spanish. It's really cool. I mean, not that I love acting in Spanish. I love that that is a world that is open to me, because it's a whole yes. different set of material and um, and relationships. And yeah, I really, I love that. I love doing that. I, gosh, I gotta say, it is like, so look, I am, uh, I am just the one, the one lingual. And uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I will say that I wish, I do wish that I spoke anything besides English with any level of like, not post high school fluency, because right. I think it would be very cool to get a chance to work in um, another language, especially like stand up be so challenging yeah i have to really start from like that'd zero. be really hard also like the cadence i mean like you well that's what i'm saying particularly so cool. the your level of proficiency in the language of stand-up is is pretty phenomenal i can say that now that i've seen you perform um <laughs> yes so that to me is like a language unto itself you know like full of you know as a musician like full of beats and pauses and timing so there's that cadence in itself is it's you you can see the years of you finessing that when you see you perform like that it did it you can tell how well oiled that machine is that is your stand-up skills oh that's cool yeah yeah i mean i think that's why it's like why it feels appealing is because 
that's the one thing that uh yeah that's like my 10,000 hours thing you know of the other things I do that's the one that I feel like is the one where um like I've just making I've just been making these stupid little like Instagram reels but the whole thing with with reels is that they like they can be a minute mm-hmm. um but I actually can totally at this point I can totally tell a full story in a minute sometimes it takes a couple takes to like figure out where the beats are but it's but I've been enjoying doing it because it's like very challenging to to try to t- do a whole story with like a couple funny beats and a beginning, middle, and end in in sixty seconds is like really a nice challenge. So anyway, that's why I'm like currently doing that a ton because I think. But it's that's very so fun. interesting. So okay, so now you just like revealed something about yourself that I find really interesting. Tell me. I have an I have an Instagram account. Yeah, you know, if you have like if you have a pulse and you can do anything, you know with your mouth and talk, you can have an Instagram account. So I've, I've got one. You, however, have really started to finesse like what it is to have an Instagram account and use it, you know, as a medium for your art. I feel like it's like a 20 pound weight that I carry around on my ankle that I'm like, oh, right. I better lift my left, right leg. But I, I know that I, I really need to start developing that skill set. I'm just not, I'm not great at it. So, but now that you, you're saying that about you're doing the bits, like that's what's appealing to you, that it's kind of working in your bit into the 60 seconds that you're allowed to do it. Like that's a fun challenge to you, but you do it so well and you're funny and you've kind of developed this great brand of, of 60 second comedy or like It's so, it's so funny because like, I, I so hear you. I mean, for, for me, like for a long time, there was a minute, I guess there was like a minute, <laughs> like 2015, I was like good at Twitter for like a minute mm-hmm. because I could, I was like paying enough attention that I could kind of like hit the joke in that moment. But, but the thing is, is like, I'm like too earnest for Twitter. Twitter is like, has like always been more, um, like snarky and also like surrealistic and like you have to really keep up with the news and like be never offline to be successful at Twitter okay. is such a job for me. So like there was a minute when I was good at it. And then when that was like the number one medium that comics were using to sort of like grow their brand, I just felt like I cannot do this. Like I am best. I'm I'm a better talker than I am writer. Like, that, like I, that's what I like. Even when I wrote a book, it was like I was basically talking the book and then yeah. just like, you know, it like transcribed transcribing it out yeah 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 yeah. um so anyway even instagram it's like last year what i was doing was i was like taking pictures with my dog where we were wearing matching outfits that was like the way i was expressing myself on instagram because you should definitely look at those photos but but because that's like what i thought that's like what i wanted to do at the moment but it was less successful than they're introducing reels and my learning how to like that 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 was something i was interested in but it is because it's like uh an extension of the skill set that I have. This is all like the nerdiest, dumbest shit to say about social media, which is that like, I think, I think there's a lot of pressure right now to sort of like invent a whole personality that works for everything, you know, where it's like, you're able to do all this stuff. And like, I hate Twitter and I don't really care about spending my time there. And TikTok, I can't really do the dances. I basically just repost the stuff that I have from Instagram. But there is like one thing I finally found the one thing that works, which is like I can tell one minute stories. And it it's so funny that I don't know, like anything right now, I think we're being expected to do all jobs really well. I don't know what this is like. Can you can some listener tell me if this is true in all fields? If you like work at like KPMG, are you also supposed to be able to like run the social media presence for that company exactly like, well, is this true for everybody because this is true for katie like she is kind of expected to have like some level of internet proficiency as an editor i think at, so you know so i don't is this true for everybody listeners i'm curious to know that as well i mean listen i think one thing that is unique about what we do is that we are the product so like when you are a stand-up or a comedian or an actor like you're selling you that is just so unless you've got a team of people like doing your social media, which honestly can't wait for the day 
I'm just who I don't know who those people are yet, but if you're interested in managing my social media accounts, just, <laughs> you just DM me and I'm and you can just do that because I'm I'm really I'm behind. I'm not great at it. Um, but I but I yes, I think it's a crazy, it's like not a skill set that everyone has. Um, and I and I also know that you kind of can't avoid having to do it. But that and also that brandified like version of life is that does not stop with the entertainment industry. Like that's also true for, you know, who, like whatever, like my dog, for example, like he <laughs> is a totally different online presence and he does it all <laughs> weird. But like whatever chef or like whatever, yes. you know, the the extension for that is like pretty broad. Yeah. I want to ask you then about, like, given all the stuff that we've talked about so far, some, you know, sh- like being on a show like A Million Little Things and being cast as a queer character and then like playing opposite another queer actor, which I don't know if you had that experience before when you said you had, you know, other like what is what is that like for you with your with the experiences you've talked about so far? Um, I think uh, it's awesome. I mean, my first thought, my first reaction was so awesome. Um, so, you know, I originally, I knew this storyline in A Million Little Things because I had originally read for Greta. Um, I know. I'm so, ah, and, fuck. and, but listen, as everything is, I really am a big believer, you know, everything works out as it's meant to be. And I'm, and there's a reason that you're Greta, like you're, you are Greta and, and people love you as Greta. So I had, I kind of had an idea of who you were, because obviously I knew that you were the person that got the job. Um, so when they called me or they, you know, called my people, my manager to say, hey, we'd like to, you know, bring you onto the show. I was thrilled because I knew this storyline and I already loved it. I got to say, that's, I just want to stop and say that that's like very magnanimous of you. Oh, thanks. I mean, I think that that, I think it's cool that you, I mean, number one, you're like great as Julie. I think you're like, you're Thanks. great. I think you're great for that for that job. Um, but I also think it's, you know, cool of you to show up and do that job, given that, like, I don't know, you have there's an opportunity there for you to be like. Less Bitter? cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so boring. Honestly, like it is boring. Sure. It's so, but there's I'm, an opportunity. I'm bored. Yes. Yeah. You know, I I suppose like. I know, and I know that there are probably a lot of actors who probably would have felt that. I don't. I just feel like they're all the opportunities that come your way are the opportunities that are supposed to come your way. And I really do believe that. And honestly, that just in a very horrific way, like I had a different opportunity that didn't pan out. And it's it, uh, for such a clear reason. Like I, I, I've seen that now. And I just, I think I've been doing this long enough to trust. Like you just got, again, we'll go back to trust. Like you just have to trust that the thing that comes to you even when you've worked hard for a different thing, the thing that comes to you is just the thing that's supposed to come to you, even if it's smaller, even if it's less money, even if it's not exactly how you were imagining it. Like I, I then that thing becomes, you make of it what you make of it. That is, yeah. that's my constant life lesson. And being on a million little things has been such a pleasure, even for the short time that I've, I've been doing it with, you know, that this casting crew. And, um, so it was, you know, very cool to, you know, come portray Julia and, and hopefully I'll continue to do so. Um, and to be able to work with you and to have this storyline that I think is so important, you know, and I think Catherine's journey in the show is, is really important. It's like a a great opportunity for representation on a network show, you know, and, And, you know, somebody coming to terms with their sexuality later in life after they've been married and had kids. And I just, I think it's so important to tell those stories and to have somebody like you um, personifying a character like Greta, who has this cool backstory, you know, with Catherine. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it, it feels personal, you know, to me. And and I'm really glad because, you know, it brought you into my life. And and that that's just a, a, a bonus. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm just, 
like learning from you on this, you know, because I had experiences very early in it's first of all, it's me coming into it, but then it's the experiences that I had very early in comedy were very like, I think I thought how I was going to truly like, I often play like a meme of like some, some like reality show where somebody's like, I'm not here to make friends. Like, you know, that like thing, right. That like, that, like somebody in a bikini says at the beginning of a reality show, like that is for sure the energy that I brought to comedy for like a really long time, because uh-huh. I, I actually thought that like it, it's, it's a, it, it can be a pretty prickly bunch. Sure. Comics can, can be that. a pretty prickly bunch. And I think the thing I thought would happen is like, I would earn respect and do that by being better and um by treating other people mm, maybe sometimes badly or with like or what's the right mm, like i was very like there's a there's a hierarchy in stand up that's like you don't like the headliner is better than the middle right the middle is better than the host like right don't the opener should never best the headline you know like all this stuff where it's like there's like this real hazing yeah you know that thing boys clubby kind of boys clubby yeah and i really like grabbed onto that and then like felt like that was important to me and like that that if i adopted that attitude then like i would earn the respect of the people that i wanted to earn the respect earn respect from cut to like 20 years later and it's like i i truly feel like it's like i i woke up one day and i was like I can't believe these men don't love to be yelled at by me. Like I would like get up on stage after a group what's of guys and be them? like, here's what's wrong with everybody's set, you know, like, or like, you know, be unfriendly to be, or like, just, just like some vibes that like, yeah, you, you what you put out is what comes back to you. And like, yep. that is not necessarily true for the fucking dudes that are in my industry. Like there are men in my industry that they'll put out like shitty vibes and what will come back to them is respect but that is never gonna be me like number one it doesn't actually align with my personality and it's like hard to live that way and number two it's it's like exhausting pushes everybody away which i don't really which is not really what i'm trying to do but also then number three like i'm whatever i think i am the rest of the comedy world doesn't see me as like a dude in a leather jacket that they're scared of so like if i come in with that attitude, I'm just like a bitch that people should avoid, which is like, it's like, you don't get the yeah. thing that is afforded to men who act like that. It's like that thing where like a male director, that's like insane to work with. People are like a genius. And You're right. a woman, yeah. it's like, well, she's hysterical. She should yeah. exactly. And never work with her again. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, I just think I was like putting on this attitude that didn't even fit me. And then it was biting me in the ass. So yeah. anyway, but how amazing that you know that now, I am because attempting I think people to turn the ship around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like I, I certainly it's going well. It's going well. Think that you were a dude in a leather jacket. <laughs> I mean, you were wearing a leather jacket. Maybe one of the not the first. I was. You, I was but, wearing a leather jacket during yeah. some of it. Uh, you were definitely wearing some leather jackets. Yeah. Although I do have a great photo of you wearing one of my wardrobe coats that I don't know <laughs> that I've ever sent to you. No, you gotta good. send that to me. I'll send it to you. Uh, um. We all tried it on the wardrobe coat. And I'm pretty sure that Tessa, who was directing one of those episodes, bought the wardrobe coat. It was such a success. I think Grace did too. Grace bought it too. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody bought that 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 I, coat. Everyone bought the coat. Yep. Except for me. I should have. Hindsight 2020. I'll borrow it from I, It did not look good on me, so I did not buy that coat. I thought um, you but... looked very military-ish. <laughs> no, I, I think it's been it's been wonderful to have a chance to like, yeah, to to try to turn this ship around and i look at like the the opportunity to it's like here you are you're coming to set with like this you know good attitude and the the thing that you just said about like what comes to you 
Like that's the opposite. That's the opposite attitude of what I'm talking about, which is like, yeah, fucking go in like guns blazing and like punch everybody in the face. Like that's the opposite of that. Is like everything that comes to me is supposed to come to me. I was thinking actually about you know when we first like when we were up in Vancouver working and we took a walk and and you were just telling me like a little bit about your story and and that and like sort of not exactly what you're saying, just about kind of having this steely exterior and. And, uh, and how being a comic, that was like something that you had to really uh, hone because it was like what you needed to survive. And I was saying, you know, that that is the thing that I think I love the most about acting is that not that, but the opposite, that in order to really, I think, like really be a great actor, you have to be porous. You have to be vulnerable and listen and like, and really be willing to not get, not get hurt, but be willing to be seen, you know? And, and that is terrifying, but I think that's what actors really thrive on is like undressing metaphorically. And that is the thing that keeps bringing me back to the craft of acting, which I've come to love more and more as I've done it longer. Um, that it's this incredible opportunity to just be raw just to to listen and and be seen and and we all can use more of that but being an actor requires you to to do that and so if if i were to say what i'm really thinking is that you kind of came into this world of a million little things which was your first dramatic role because you were ready to maybe take off your metal jacket Yes, I would say the full metal jacket even. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I mean, again, it's, I don't think stand-up created that in me, but I think I chose stand-up because that's how I wanted to feel. Like, I, you know, I think I had been hurt and was scared walking through the world as like a, you know, somebody that didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in and was like, you know, too gay, too weirdly gendered, all the other things. My body's too wrong. and so I. Think, yeah, I think I thought like, if I'm scary, then the world uh-huh. would be scared of me. Yeah, you know, and um, it is a personality that I've been trying to put down because it's just like not what's really going on. And I mean, yeah, go going to the like Brandy Carlo concert the other day. It's like she's like a open-hearted goofball, you know. And like, yeah. I think I just didn't see. I didn't let myself see people be rewarded for that for a while. You know, I really just yeah. only let myself see people be rewarded for the other thing. So I love what you're saying. Thanks. And I think, you know, they're because of, I'm a huge Brandy Carlisle fan, by the way. So like, just let her know. Brandy, that. some would even call her Brandy. Uh, some, some, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, Brandy also, yeah. Brandy, the 90s singer. Also, I'm not, I'm, I, I, I'm appreciate you, but Brandy Carlisle, yeah. I am a fan. Yes. Yes. Um, super fan. Um, but I, I think also there there have been, we have the great fortune that there are more Brandy Carlyles in the world now. You know, there are more yeah. people out there saying, hey, you know, it's cool just being you and being vulnerable, like not needing to like walk around being a polished version of yourself. Um, that feels so nice to me. Like, it feels so nice to be able to show up and like tell people how I feel like actually as opposed to what I'm supposed to say like, I mean obviously not to everybody on the street but you know to the to people who who mean something to me and I know that I mean something to them and so that's yeah. it's cool that we've got examples like a brandy out there kind of just being the best version of themselves and not what everybody thinks she should be right I mean, I guess it does kind of go back to also what I was saying about this movie I saw at Frameline, you know, where it's like, I have to remind myself also that like, I didn't get all tough and like, and steely in a vacuum, you know, like things were happening to Absolutely. me, things were active, it was maybe inappropriate or, or life-saving response. And to, you know, to what you're saying, or even to this conversation, it's like the idea that I have like somebody I can ask, hey, what is it like, you know, being a parent at, for, for a child at this age? And, you know, like, what do you do on Father's Day? And these kinds of questions were like, that was, I didn't even have anybody to ask. So 
I think I'm, in some ways I'm kind of catching up with, you know, first of all, we don't even have all of our rights, but also, you know, when, when some rights come overnight, there's like a long period of catching up, you know, like, and yes. it's like, oh, things, things got better so quickly and also so not universally that, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm like catching up to the life I'd like to actually have as opposed to the life I was living in reaction. Yeah. My, my guess is that my, and my feeling and experience is that the learning curve on that is, is quite steep. You know, I think mm. as soon as you start realizing how nice it feels to just live in that space, you don't want to go back, you know, you, you're just happy to live in a space of like, Oh, look, I have all these people who I can rely on and ask questions and uh, pick their brains and, you know, be down or be up or be neurotic, like whatever it is, like that, that's just better than trying to pretend that you have it all together. You know, it's just a, it's more comfortable and less tiring. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. You know, we don't all learn it when we necessarily like want to, but we learn it when we need to. Mm. Um, And listen, by the way, I'm, I have a lot of learning to do. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't ask for help always when I need help. Like I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I got to thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much. Like I'm, I'm a real, no, no, it's cool. I got it. Like I, I can probably do this better and faster than you, but thank you so much for offering. Like I'm that asshole. <laughs> well, maybe someday you'll let me help you with something. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd be cool. Totally. I'll, I'll take you up on okay. that. Uh, before I send you back into your day, um, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is how I end every episode. The oh, yes. person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. I really thought about this. What's coming to me now is that I came from musical theater, um, and music has always been like one of the most important things in my life. So even though there isn't, there were never a ton of lesbians in my world of musical theater growing up. There were so many gay men that I just knew that that was like a choice. That was an option that I had to like choose something that was not like my traditional family. Um, And I think because, you know, music was such a source of like joy for me from such a young age. Um, And it was like theater and also, also probably growing up in this, in a reformed Jewish community, um, that I just felt like, you know, this is all about like acceptance. So I, in a weird way, like Broadway and Reform Judaism. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no one's ever said Reform Judaism. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's been a big part of like my, you know, really knowing everything was going to be okay. And then later, later in my adult life, I would say my, my acting coach, who is also queer, um, the coolest woman that I have had the great pleasure of getting to know, um, Catelyn Adams. Um, she, she's, she kind of was an OG lesbian here in, in LA, Hollywood. And, and it's been really amazing to know somebody who's like, we're really my, my parents age Mm. who decided to, you know, be with a woman and have kids before I even knew that that was happening. Wow. Well, Jessica, you're the best. Thanks, Cameron. You're the best. And I'll see you at your house for dinner or one of my shows. Obviously. Or uh, both. Both. Or and in, and in Vancouver, hopefully. Cross fingers. Fingers crossed <laughs> on all of the above. Yes. It is great talking to yeah, you. Great talking to you, too. Special shout out to all the Patreon patrons who make this show possible, including Robin Moxley, Beck, Leslie Goditis, Francine Balbina, Chantal McClelland, Tracy Thalheimer, Paula Vavadowski, Ethan Peterson, Rachel McIntyre, Tanya Josek, Levon Sawake, Stacey M., Brittany Carlson, Kevin Fry, Chloe Vicker, Audrey Rauer, Bobby Dalmer, Carrie Boland, Katie Gagliardo, Morgan Friday, Jessica Lustig, Danny Alcorn, Liesl Jensen, Fiona, Brenda Esposito, Eliza Dornbush, Jennifer Grind. Grind? 
Marabara, Amy A., Diana, Andriola, Jen Saltzman, and Catherine Michaels. There's new names on that list. That's because every time I mention the Patreon, more of you sign up. And sometimes people have to downgrade their donations because, I don't know, life changes and they need new things. They need that money for other things. So here's what I'm saying. If you feel that you have a dollar, five bucks, 20 bucks to give every month to support this show, I promise you it makes a huge difference. And you can go to patreon.com slash heyqueeros, support the show, and join me for a monthly hang with all of these cool people. Anyway, love you very much. and Thank you for your support.